Good morning. Happy Easter. We do have a couple of seats available in the hot tub, if anyone wants. It's very warm. For it. Just come on forward and jump in. But, well, can we give the worship team a, a hand again? Thank you. That was so awesome. If you're visiting with us today, as we said, we would love to get to know you, answer any questions that you have about the church. My name's Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. And we're actually going to put my cell phone number on the screen if you have any questions about today's message or about the church. Now listen, if you're a high school student right now and you're thinking about prank calling me during the service, I think it'll work. I forgot to put airplane mode on. But don't do that. Don't do that, right? But if you have questions about the church, then please uh, send me a message and I'd be glad to get you the information that you need. If you attend Cornerstone, you know that I say often, Every Sunday, we have one to two families over our house uh, for lunch just to get to know people. And so you can sign up for that on our website. But people are also asking, yes, I gave my wife off today so she doesn't have to cook for Cornerstone people today, just for our family, her parents' family, her sister's family. So she's getting a break. So don't worry about Shannon. She needs to do more, you know. Maybe you guys should all come over for dinner. What do you think, Shan? No? All right. Well, we're glad that you're here. Why would people get baptized today? I mean, think about it. Easter is a day where people normally, you know, dress up a little bit. I bought a new shirt. I think it's like a salmon or tilapia-flavored shirt. Maybe pink is another way to describe it. I got a haircut. I didn't get new shoes, but I used that magic eraser on the bottom white part of my shoe just to make it look a little nicer. So why would people get dunked underwater and have their hair all over the place in front of all of you? Why would they do that? because they believe that Jesus has risen from the grave and that he is changing their life, and so they're glad to get baptized as he commanded. There's about 70 people today that are getting baptized and declaring their faith in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why do we believe Jesus actually rose from the grave, and what effect does believing in the resurrection have on our own lives? Everything hinges on this, that Jesus rose from the grave. Nothing matters if this didn't happen. The Bible even says that in 1 Corinthians. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith, right? Nothing matters if Jesus didn't rise from the dead because it's not about good moral teachings. That's not what saves us, right? We need to be changed from the inside out. And Jesus' death and resurrection allows that to happen. And so before I read from Matthew chapter 28, I just want to share a few reasons why I believe the resurrection. And the first is because of the prophecies about the Messiah we find in the Old Testament. You cannot read Isaiah chapter 53 without thinking about Jesus on the cross and, and rising from the grave. You, you can't, when you read it, it is too eerily similar and you think, well, this is, it's like the same story. So they must have written Isaiah after Jesus rose from the grave. Not at all. In fact, in 1946, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in a cave in Qumran, the dating experts found a, that's not Match.com or eHarmony. The dating experts are, are for the carbon, carbon dating and, and things like that. They found that the Isaiah scroll was from 100 to 300 years before the time of Jesus. They weren't even Christians. It's just what they do is tell you the date of an artifact, and that's what they found out. The Old Testament is full of prophecies that are now fulfilled, and it sets Christianity apart from any other faith. But also the empty tomb of Jesus is a witness to the resurrection. 
There's some theories for why it was empty. Some say, oh, well, somebody stole the body of Jesus away. Well, the Jews and Romans wouldn't have a reason to do that. And the disciples, to be honest, they were cowards. They were scattering and, and hiding during the crucifixion, thinking they were next. So did they really overpower the Roman guards and do that? Some say maybe they misidentified the tomb and they were just next door and, and it was this other one that would have had Jesus in it. But the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders opposing Jesus at the time, would have produced the body of Jesus to silence these rumors, and so that doesn't work. Think about the fact that women were named as eyewitnesses. Now, this is the rudest of all the uh, testimonies of Jesus rising from the grave. But in the Jewish court system of that time period, a woman's testimony wasn't even valid. Now, that's rude. I've got a mom, a grandma, a wife, and a daughter, and, and I'm offended with you at that. But that concept is not found in the Bible. The Jewish people should not have been doing that. In the Bible, we have Deborah in the Old Testament as a national leader and a judge. Jesus honored women and included them in his ministry. And so if these accounts of the resurrection of Jesus were made up, why would they say that women were the first eyewitnesses when that wouldn't have helped their cause? Well, the male authors of the Gospels had no choice but to tell the truth, however it happened. Also, think about the large crowd of witnesses. In 1 Corinthians, we're told that at one time, there was a group of 500 people that all saw the, the risen Christ. Many of them were still alive when Paul wrote that in 1 Corinthians 15. So they could have said, no, that's not true. But instead, they were saying, yeah, I was a part of that crowd. And Christianity spread like wildfire because there were so many people testifying that he was risen. Or how about the apostles' newly found courage? Like I said, they were running and hiding because of the persecution. What turned them from cowards to bold preachers of the gospel? You've got one of them described as doubting Thomas, who now believes. Peter denied Jesus around a campfire to a servant girl that was like, you're, you're one of his disciples. Like, no, 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 I wasn't. A little basic peer pressure caused him to, to betray Jesus and, and deny him. Think of the, own, the brother of Jesus, James. James in the Gospels even says that he did not believe in his brother, and yet he became the leader of the Jerusalem church. Why? Because he saw the risen Savior. And I think about the enemy of Christianity, Saul of Tarsus, who was raised knowing the Old Testament scriptures to be a rabbi. He hated Christianity so much that he, he was a part of stoning Christians to death. He got letters from the religious leaders that gave him authority to arrest Christians and put them in prison. He was trying to stamp out Christianity, and all of a sudden, he becomes Christianity's greatest missionary and church planner. What in the world happened? He saw the risen Christ on the road, the road to Damascus, and everything changed for him. Now, I think these are rational reasons, but I said them rather quickly. And so if you need to go a little slower through those, you can go to gotocornerstone.com slash five reasons, and it'll spell those things out in greater detail. The link's on the screen, and I think it's a great article to read. Rational reasons are great, but sometimes it's just life change that is so powerful for us. When we see people's lives changed, and they're baptized, and they, and they want to follow Jesus, Matthew chapter 28 shows us life change, this before and after moment of how people felt and who they were before the resurrection and after. Matthew 28, verse 1. This happens after the crucifixion, after the Saturday full of grief. It says, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb 
rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they will see me. Now, after this, the guards that were there that were just kind of shaking in terror, they went to the religious leaders and they said, he, he's risen from the grave. And the leaders said, well, we need you to lie about this and say they stole his body. They gave them money and said, we'll cover for you if it's, this gets back to Pontius Pilate so you won't be killed for this. So the disciples finally see Jesus themselves in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What effect can the resurrection have on a life? Well, we have examples in Matthew 28 of some before and after moments from some of the disciples that shows this to us. And the first is this. If Jesus is alive, we can be filled with joy. Now, this is spoken to grieving women on the way to the tomb, devastated by death, and yet they can be filled with joy. We see this emotion change from fear and grief to peace and joy. It's in the scriptures. Verse 5, the angel said, don't be afraid. And then in verse 9, it says they were filled with joy. What happened in between for that transformation? The angel said, he has risen in verse 6. We know the feelings of pain and grief far too well personally, don't we? It's actually hard to check the news without seeing coverage of Ukraine and all the devastation there. And yet there are people in Ukraine today that are waking up celebrating their resurrected Savior because even in war times, people can have hope and joy because of Jesus. Now, last year, they, they put out this survey called the 2021 American Fear Index. And what they did is they found, I think it's 2,083 people. They gave them a list of 41 possible fears and said, rank these as very afraid, afraid, not, not really afraid. And then they, they added up all the scores. Before I tell you what those are, why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them, what's scarier, snakes or spiders? Go ahead, tell them. They, they need to know. <laughs> well, this is important. I'm glad you're doing this. Listen, there's a lot of S's out there, but that doesn't really tell us the answer. I think whatever's on your chest is the scariest at the moment, but... Spiders came in ranked out of 41, number 28. So scary, but not so scary. Snakes came in at number 12 because they should never have been invented, right? Oh, my goodness. Now, here's something we're not afraid of. Number 41, last on the list is alien abduction. So we are okay. We are not afraid of UFOs here 
Maybe at least in California, maybe in Nevada, they, they're afraid of that, but not here. I'm going to put the top 10 list of fears on the screen behind me now. Unfortunately, number three is relevant even this week as there was a shooting in Brooklyn and many people were injured. Mass shootings are something that caused fear and that happened recently. But look at the first two. Loved ones dying and loved ones becoming seriously ill. Our greatest fear is that those that we love would, would be in pain in their illness and eventually die and be separated from us. We put that even higher than ourselves becoming seriously ill, which is number seven on the list. Our hearts are broken because we don't want relationships to end with those that we love. But what if death isn't the end for believers? What if that's not the last conversation that we have? See, a week earlier before Jesus' death and, and resurrection, he was in Bethany with some of his friends, Mary and Martha, and they were bawling their eyes out in grief because their brother Lazarus had died four days earlier. He was in the tomb, and they came out just weeping, saying, Jesus, if you were here, this would have been different. And Jesus said this to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now she's like, yeah, I, I believe it, Lord. I understand that's what my future holds, but it hurts so bad right now. But Jesus wanted to use this to show his power. And so he actually raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. Word got out to all the communities. This must be the prophet. This must be the Messiah. And everyone was excited to see Jesus. And he did this to show his power and demonstrate that he, he had the same power to raise himself from the dead. And on Resurrection Sunday, as we focus on that power, it is a preview for us of what awaits every single believer. Illness is scary. Death hurts so bad. I've personally experienced that pain, and, and so have you. But Easter reminds us that this is not the end for believers. Resurrection Sunday is a preview of what awaits all of us. And so, yeah, we have our moments of, of Friday tragedies and Saturdays just waiting in grief that can last months and years of, of the grief that we have. But believers in Jesus don't mourn and grieve the same way others do because we have hope in the resurrection. Think of how Mary Magdalene, all of a sudden, everything changed from weeping to absolute joy when she saw Jesus. That is the kind of transformation you will have emotionally when Jesus reunites us with our loved ones one day, and we will have millions of years with them in heaven. This is a preview for every single believer, and it's designed to give us some hope as we grieve now. We don't have to grieve the same way. But if Jesus is alive, it also means that we can be a part of God's family. This is a wild thought if you really think it through. The disciples move from being disciples or students, these learners, to being family. We see it in verse 7. The angel said, tell his disciples. But when Jesus showed up, he said, tell my brothers, from disciple to brothers, because of what Jesus did on the cross, dying for our sins, our sins that separated us from God, we now can be a part of the family of God. We can be adopted into God's family because Jesus took that sin of ours and took the punishment for it for us so that now we can have a proper relationship with God. Even though we don't deserve that, we can be a part of God's family. It's said like this in John 1:12, to all who did receive him, Jesus, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that has wide implications in our life. The first is that it means that we are deeply loved by God to be considered family. He calls us his children. Jesus calls us his brothers and his sisters. Now, every family likes to joke about the crazy people in their family over there, right? Like, oh, I got this crazy uncle. Oh, my crazy aunt over there. But, I mean, if we're being honest, aren't they talking about us? Aren't we the crazy ones in our family? We're, we're a part of those conversations, too, where we're on the other end being named as nuts in our family. Think about the family of God. Think about how perfect the Trinity was before us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, perfect harmony and unity and then we're adopted into God's family. We are all the crazy ones in the family of God. You think of the angels talking to, to Jesus saying like, you're adopting Andy into your family. I know he's got a lot of shortcomings, but we love him and he, he's a part of the family. We're a part of God's family. It shows us we are deeply loved. It also shows us that we don't have to be alone. We don't have to be lonely because we have a spiritual family. Just last week, there were two couples at our house that were bragging about their life groups that they've been in saying, this is where we do life with other people. We eat meals with them. We laugh with them. We pray with them. This is where we found family. People say the same thing when they join a team and start serving at the church, and, and they, they do that, you know, week in and week out, and they start to become close with people. It makes a big church feel small, and we get to experience that family relationship as the church. But this also means that in tough times, we have the support of our ch church family, let me tell you a very common joke. I'll say the first part of it, and you finish it for me. It's, it's one that everyone knows. A doctor, a cop, a pastor, and a supply chain director walk into a bar. Just shout it out. Okay. Right. Well, this is actually, it's actually less of a joke and more about my life. A doctor, a cop, a supply chain director, and me walk into Rival Coffee Shop on Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. for our weekly discipleship group. Right? But what brings all these different people together? We've made a commitment to hold each other accountable, to read the Scriptures, memorize the Scriptures, pray together so that we can be better husbands to our wives and better dads to our kids and better children in God's kingdom. And that support has been priceless in my life. If Jesus is alive, it means that we're a part of God's family. That's actually a big deal. And if Jesus is alive, it means that we can have new purpose in our lives. The disciples moved from worshiping Jesus after they saw him, and then he says, go and make disciples. They join in on the mission from Jesus. What happened in between those things where they moved from worship to mission? Well, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. It's actually a, a terrifying statement. Jesus has just been murdered by humans, by the Romans, and now he has all the authority in heaven and on earth. What's he going to do? Is he going to get payback against the Romans and the religious leaders? Is he going to take that manger and make it into a mansion and finally live the, the good life? What's he going to do? Even scarier, what would we do with all that power? I got a glimpse into what my children would do. You see, there's a movie on Netflix called Yes Day, and it's a terrifying premise. It's the idea that parents have to say yes to their children for an entire day. And there's some ground rules, right? It's like, oh, you can't spend more than this much money. We can only drive this far. And it can't be illegal. And then after that, they can do whatever they want. And so I asked our kids, you know, well, what would you want to do if you could do anything, anything? We had to say yes to everything. So I asked 
my five and a half year old Titus. And Titus said, oh, I would eat ice cream. And then I would jump in the pool. And then I would ride a roller coaster in my bathing suit. I'm like, whoa, Titus, that sounds like the best day ever. We are safe. If Titus is running the universe, we are safe. He's not going to smite us. He just wants to get wet and have some ice cream. And so that, but, but for many of us, it wouldn't end up that way. Jesus lends us his power so that we can come alongside him and be a part of his mission to help a hurting world find hope in him. What meaning and significance our lives can have, no matter where we work, where we live, our lives can have such meaning that we will be so satisfied. Notice I said we can have these things, not we have them. We can be filled with joy. We can have a, be a part of God's relationship, right? We can have deep meaning in our lives. Not we automatically have these things because we have to receive these blessings by faith. We have to believe in Jesus and then receive by faith and then act on these things. And so how will the resurrection affect your life? Jesus wants to give you great joy even if you came in here with absolute grief. Jesus wants to deepen your relationship so you're never alone again and you have support. And Jesus wants to give you a mission that will make your life have so much meaning that you'll want to get out of bed every day because of the significance of it. The resurrection affects all of our lives. Now, if you're here today and you're hearing about Jesus and you're thinking through this, yeah, do the research. It, but there's no more important decision you could ever make in your life than to follow Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins and was raised again three days later, if you believe that and you're willing to repent of your sins, which, to be honest, are probably causing a lot of destruction and pain in your life anyway, and follow after him, he will give you everlasting life. He will be with you in all the difficult times during this life. You're not going to be perfect, just like I'm not perfect, but we will start walking with Jesus and our lives will change. And if that's a decision that you want to make today, whether it's today or another day, every human has to make that decision. But it can be today. And so I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes out of privacy and respect for those around you. If you would like to make the decision to follow Jesus today, just slip up your hand so I can lead you in a simple prayer. Awesome. I see hands popping up all over. Great. In the balcony too. Don't come to this decision lightly. It's not an emotional decision you forget about. It's a life-changing one. Great. Well, there's nothing magical about this prayer, but if you'll just repeat it after me, either out loud so we can celebrate with you or sincerely in your heart quietly, you could say something like, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins and give me salvation. Make me a new creation. Give me the strength to follow after you and repent of my sins. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross in my place and he rose again three days later and is alive today. Help me to follow after him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, then welcome to the family of God.
But that's, that's a big deal. It's not like a casual thing that you can just kind of forget about and ignore. So we, we want to talk to you about that. We have our New Believers team over here. We want to give you a Bible and talk to you about your first steps as a follower of Jesus. And so during this last song or after the service, you can, you can find them so they can hand you a Bible. But let us all stand and sing to celebrate our resurrected Savior.